Well, good morning again. Uh, we uh, have had a very, very, very full but wonderful week. All of the staff, many of the Connect Group leaders and various ministry leaders and more have been up in Nottingham at our National Leaders Conference uh, where we were absolutely uh, thrilled to bits with so much of that which went on where we were absolutely were exhausted. It was a very full program and, uh, and I must say that uh, Fliss and I are still in a, in a place of recovery, I think. We're still kind of trying to recover. But I did want to just report back one thing um, and that's to say probably the headline news of this is that that John and Ellie Mumford, who have led the movement for uh, the last 19 years, are actually going to be stepping down this year. Now, that may elicit from some of you a great big, oh, you know, but that, but that kind of thing, and that would be appropriate. But um, they're going on to work internationally with, uh, with other vineyard churches. There are now 13 what we call Association of Vineyard Churches worldwide. We've got churches in the Himalayas now, would you believe? And uh, it's really happening. Uh, it's that this vineyard thing that we've been caught up in, this kind of, you know, being naturally supernatural, sort of informal, but actually, you know, at the core of us, there's a real passion for Jesus, a real heart for discipleship, a real heart for his word, a heart for worship. This kind of mix, this recipe, being as it is slightly different to some, seems to be really gathering momentum. And so John and Ellie, our dear, dearly beloved leaders, they're going on to, to lead that, and they're going to be handing over to uh, John and Debbie Wright, who lead the Trent Vineyard uh, up in, uh, in Nottingham. And that's going to be happening in September. No doubt there'll be some great big sort of knees up and party, and we'll try and sort of let you know uh, how they're thinking of doing that. But you know what? Although there's a little tinge of sadness, we're actually very excited. We, have, we feel in our spirit that there is a new thing happening, and John and Debbie Wright are, are a wonderful couple. We've known them for 20, 25 years, and uh, you know, they're in a perfect position to, to facilitate that and to lead that. They were very gracious uh, without sort of letting cat out of the bag or saying anything untoward. Uh, uh, they, um, they were very keen to meet with us for lunch, so literally on the first day they took us out for lunch, and they've got some ideas about things that we might be doing here for the movement, so there might be a stepping up for us, but we'll see about that. We're going to pray about that. But I just wanted to feed that back to you because that is of very, very great importance. In fact, let's just stop and pray now uh, that, we, that, that God just blesses this transition and it's all done honorably and, and well. Father, we want to say thank you that we have been caught up in Christ into your divine purposes for this nation at this time. And thank you, Lord God, that even though the vineyard may be the smallest of the tribes, Lord God, there is a place for it. And your eyes upon us, and you love us. And thank you for the favor you have given us. And we do pray in these months of transition that you'll bless John and, and Ellie as they hand over and they prepare to hand over the national responsibilities to John and Debbie. We ask your blessing upon John and Debbie. And Lord God, as far as we're concerned, we would be honored to be part of the new thing and honored part to be part of the, 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 the new wave, the new move in this nation. So please, Lord God, bless us all as we try and uh, transition in, in a godly and seemly manner. Yes. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Do remember them in your prayers, and we'll let you know more as things develop. Well, if you were here last week, you will have heard the fabulous news that we finally managed to purchase this building next door. Let's give the Lord a cheer. You know. 
I think most of us were exhausted before we even went away. It was just such a right down to the wire, it really was. But anyway, we now own that property next door, and some of you may have been directed to park on that site because the dear chap who uh, owns the place opposite, a gentleman called Iri, and apparently, I've not met him, but our staff have, and he says he's a really nice guy, but they're, they're doing lots of building development, so we'll see how that goes. But, but um, last week, uh, I hope you managed to go in there and have a little look around. Uh, I didn't ask the, the, uh, the staff to open up next door this morning, simply slipped my mind, so I don't know whether it'll be open, but we will open up next door again uh, to, to let you have a little look around uh, at some point, but the main thing now is to pray for, yes, more finances, but pray for planning permission. That's the next big key thing. We really need to get that change of use so we can use it not just for a warehouse, and we will use it as a warehouse for our food bank, but there's a lot more we want to do with it. So just pray for the planning permission, and we'll keep you posted on that, but God is most definitely on the move, and it is exciting to be a Christian at these times. Another little bit of excitement before I finally get a chance to get into the Word, and that is that a new album has been released, and uh, in fact, uh, you can get it uh, on the bookstall, it's called Waterfalls. It's, it's, it says here, Waterfalls, live from St. Albans. Yeah. St. Albans, woohoo! <laughs> and uh, it's actually a national album. It's, they brought together a whole host of vineyard worship leaders and songwriters and musicians, and we had the privilege of hosting them in the middle of last year. In fact, many of you were, were here at the launch. But let me just show you this little promo thing, because you'll see a few familiar faces too as that pops up. Let's run with that, guys. Thank you. What? Sorry. Okay, we won't run with that then. <laughs> but it's very good. Let me see if I can sing you a few of the... <laughs> very rude. I could do a very good job of it. Okay, buy it while it's hot. I'm sorry about that. Something went wrong there. Okay, let me pray. Father, I want to say thank you because your word builds us up. Your word strengthens us. Your word, Lord God, encourages us. Your word comforts us. Your, your word, Lord, leads us into deeper truths. And your word, Lord God, is that which is given to us in Christ, the very word of God. And we pray, Lord God, that as I share your word this morning, that you will indeed say that which you want to say to your people here in St. Albans today indeed now, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God's Word. You know, the, the, this series actually has been one I've been thinking about for quite some time, and I, one of the problems for me is that I quite quickly had a very clear idea of what I felt or thought uh, we should be including in this, this series. It's, it's, it's actually down as being a mini-series at the moment, like three weeks, but I think we'll probably revisit this over the course of the year. And, and over the Christmas holiday in particular, a number of things happened um, which, which really kind of, uh, as it were, um, recalibrated, re helped me reinterpret quite what God was wanting to do. And, uh, you know, it started with the way, you know, Jesus, the way, the truth, and life, John 14, 6, is it, uh, where he says that, you know, Jesus is the way we get to heaven. And Jesus is the truth, you know, we walk in truth, we, in his truth, but we're also called to be bearers of the truth and live our lives in no sense of a lie, but as truth. But then also, as we do that, we begin to enjoy this abundant life, John 10.10. 10. You know, there's a whole preaching series there. I mean, oh my gosh. 
But I've really felt the Lord kind of, you know, as I've been pulling that way, wanting to preach that series, I've all the time felt God pulling me to one side. And I've, I've struggled with it because I've not really always understood quite what, what, what God was wanting to do. But then just... Um, just in January, uh, Emma, our head of communications, w- was just saying to me, okay, so where are we going with this? What's this thing called? What's it about? And at that point, it kind of came out of my mouth, automatic mouth almost, the way walking with integrity. And that is the word that God wants to speak to us this morning. To some of you, it will be a comfort, and frankly, though to some of you, it will be a challenge, and it may be may be that you will need to go away and reflect, and in fact, in some case, repent, now, don't, this isn't going to be a downer because repentance is, God, is God's gift to us. So if revelation comes to you that actually you need to do some business, to put some wrongs to rights, or to ch- make some changes or something like that, that's good news because God has saved you from walking in the way of wickedness, as it says in Psalm 1. You know, walking in, the way, in, that, in that way. And the thing about wickedness and deceit, it, it, it doesn't just blind others, it blinds ourselves. We're blind to it. So, so I'm excited about this. I'm also excited about this because the other thing, and a number of you have said this to me um, uh, over the, the, the sort of last two or three months, has been a strong sense that not only is God on the move, but we're beginning to move towards what, something we've been talking about for years and years, beginning to move towards that which we might call revival. Woohoo! Yeah, it's worth a woohoo. Everybody go, woohoo! Yeah, great. Revival is a sovereign move of God where we all do our thing, you know, we do it with the, to the best of our ability, but God sort of comes and, and just begins to, it's, it's like we throw in the turbocharger, you know, just God just comes and suddenly, you know, there's power that, that we're not used to, there's presence we're not used to, the breeze on the worship, breeze on our ministry, hundreds come to Christ, you know, and it's not just us, it's a national thing. But, but I have a sense that the re- way God wants, because God wants me to talk to you about integrity, it's part of a preparation. We, uh, we, we enjoyed, I think that's the right word, in 1996, a very significant move of God here. In fact, we've had two or three over the years. But the, the 1996 one became known eventually as the Toronto Blessing. Now, you may have heard good things about that, you may have heard bad things about it. There's always controversy when revival hits. But I have to say to you, just prior to that hitting us, God spoke to us very specifically, and I was wanting to preach one series, but in a similar sort of manner, God prepared our hearts. He spoke to me in those days, and I preached the messages, and some of you remember, and I really didn't want to preach it. It was not much fun. He he told me to preach about dissent, those who stir up dissent against leadership. And I wasn't aware of anything in particular at that time, but it was very, very strong. I had to preach on that. had to preach on grumbling, you know, the children of Israel got into so much trouble with God because, with their grumbling. And it was, it, grumbling betrays a lack of gratitude. You know, a sense of you know, right or privilege you know, or, or entitlement. And, and if we start airing that way, you know, why isn't the church doing this? Or why haven't I got that? Or why doesn't God do this? If we start grumbling, that really offends the father. Because quite apart from the, sort of the, you know, the irritation, the stone in the shoe of the grumbling, it betrays a heart of, of ingratitude, and he is big on that. We have everything to be grateful for. We are in deep debt to God, whether you feel or know that to be the truth. We are in debt to him because of the gift of his precious one and only son who hung on the cross and died for our sins, giving us the hope and future of eternal life, an abundant life. 
And so when we're sort of all indignant and entitled and God's not doing this and the church didn't do that and I was doing that, that really, really is dangerous ground. And the third thing was our giving. You know, that the, any of us weren't tithing or we were wheeling and dealing or we were doing deals and we were saying, well, I'll tithe this, but, I, but actually I need to tithe to my son's education and all, all sorts of crazy things. We preached those three things and then after that, I could tell the whole story now, there isn't time, and I'm not going to, but there was a great whoosh after we, we, pray, we, we, we taught those three things, dissent, grumbling, and tithing, the lack of tithing. You know, there was deep repentance on the church, and then suddenly it was as if we'd cleared the decks, and suddenly there was this incredible international outpouring of the Spirit, and I kid you not, Little St. Albans Vineyard was in the forefront of that. We had the awesome privilege. So I have a sense now that this, this talk about integrity, and I'm going to unpack that a little bit, not all of it today, but about understanding that integrity, and, 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 and you know, integrity is related to the word integrated. When every aspect of your life is integrated. So you, you know, it's, it, it, so you don't live the kind of double-minded or double lifestyle kind of thing where you're here, you're all bright and shiny and you're serving and you're godly and holy, but you know, at home you're an absolute tyrant and you terrorize your, your husband or you terrorize your wife or you terrorize your kids or, or you're doing dodgy deals in the business world, you know, but you're justifying and saying, it's not personal, it's only business, you know, that, that horrible line from the Godfather movie, you know the one I mean? You know, we kind of have these double standards. You know, God is looking for men and women who have an integrated lifestyle. So what you are here is what you are at home. And what you are at home is what you are in the workplace. Integrated. Thank you. It's called integrity. And I have to say to you, uh, it's grieved me over the years how the church seems to play, the church, not just this church, plays footloose and fancy free with that. I have a dear friend who visited us uh, just a week ago. Dear, dear friend, I'll, I'll call him Nigel for want of a better word. If you're Nigel, if your name's Nigel, it's, it's, this is not about you, okay? So if Nigel is sat next to you and you just met him two minutes ago, I'm not talking about that <laughs> Nigel, okay? Let's just make that clear. Okay, so Nigel, uh, dear, dear friend, known him for nearly 30 years, he and his wife. Felicity and I had the privilege very early on in, in being in sm some small part instrumental into him coming into full-time pastoral ministry. And he, like I, went into the Anglican church. We offered ourselves for the priesthood and we were accepted and we were priested. And whereas I, Fliss and I took a different turn and we came out into the kind of crazy free church type thing or whatever you call this thing, he stayed in the Anglican church and in fact was doing very, very well. There was something about Nigel, I always thought it, even before he became a Christian almost, there was something quite stately about him. There was something of, of the sort of, you know, we've been celebrating Winston Churchill's, what is it, 50, 70, 60, 70 years since his funeral. Uh, and there was something about that, about something statesmanlike about Nigel, and still is. This is the curious thing. And I always thought he was destined for great things. I always thought that he was the kind of thing that ended up as a bishop, you know, if not more. 
And uh, as time went on, uh, he and I remain good friends. And, you know, he, uh, uh, he was being invited to all the right places and right positions. And then, and I know some of you have heard this story before, suddenly uh, I'm mowing the lawn a few years ago and, and Fliss comes out looking slightly white and she's got my mobile phone and she says, it's Nigel. And I think, what? So I turn the mower off and say, hi Nigel, how are you? And this man, this grown man in his 50s bursts into tears on the phone, sobbing incontrollably. And he's had an affair. And now it's out. And it's big time out. And for six weeks, the Daily Mail pursued him and others. He was the naughty vicar. Every now and then there's a naughty vicar. Well, he was that summer's naughty vicar. And it made their lives hell. And he ruined other people's lives. The church that he'd been serving in for 17 years just kind of just rocked and reeled. Because Nigel was a kind of guy you look up to. I can't, I'm not going to unpack the story because time does not permit. A week ago, we've kept friends, and by the grace of God, his, his, his wife had a breakdown, then she had a stroke. You know, the stress of it all. Needless to say, he was, you know, defrocked. Uh, he, by an extraordinary miracle, really, got a new position for years. He was just sort of doing little jobs here and there, but then he got a position and now he's part of an audit crew that goes around auditing our national universities. It's a really high-powered, high-pressure... I mean, the gifting on the man is extraordinary. But he dropped in saw us the other week and we were just chatting and we, we, we've always had very real, sort of deep-level conversations. And I said, you know, basically I said to him, while this was making some dinner for us, I said, how's it going then? And he said this, he said, Chris, you know, I've lost my way. Yeah, life is good. God has been so good to us. I've saved my marriage and the church has survived and the woman I had the affair with, she was a single mum, two kids, she survived. They're all, everyone's doing well. In fact, we're doing well, but deep down my heart is broken. We've lost our purpose. We've lost our way. And I don't know if I'll ever find it again. And he teared up. And I suppose the question I've been carrying with me for some months now, and dear Nigel, I guess, sort of summed it up, was why do good people crash and burn? Yeah, we, you know, there's always, the, there's always those characters at college or school or at uni or something like that, and you hear that they get into mischief, and somehow it's not a surprise, you know. Well, you know, always a bit of a wheel of it. You know, we're, we're maybe a little bit dismissive, and I'm not saying that's right, but somehow that kind of, I don't know... But then there are those people that you look up to, that you honor, maybe there's, we'll all know them. If I was, I'm not gonna ask for a show of hands, we all know people like this. Family friends, respected colleagues. And they just go great and they shine. And then suddenly, it's like craziness enters their head. And they, 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 they commit some sort of felony or something or other and they crash and burn. Why do good people crash and burn? Well, I want to sort of explore that kind of thought a little bit by way of instruction, by way of warning, by way of encouragement to know what to look out for in your own life. 
And today I want to focus on the word. I, I want to talk about keeping our word. And, and you know, if, if you, if, when I was beginning to structure these talks, there was a whole list of things I wanted, but, but the Lord began with begin with the word. Begin with the word. Well, obviously with Nigel's thing, he broke his marriage vows. You know, there's a very strong and serious thing. He broke his marriage vows. But do you know what? Before Christmas, I was grieved when, you know, we were, uh, you, know, you know, this is a bit of in-house keeping, you know, guys, so please don't sort of take this wrong. This is just you and me, us, family together, and some visitors. But before Christmas, you know, we're very busy with the kids' ministry, and we're coming into the pastoral, prayer, uh, pastoral uh, meeting, and, and uh, dear Kev, who heads up all of our children and, and youth ministry, and I said, how's it going? And he shook his head. He said, it was an absolute nightmare this morning. I said, wow, what do you mean? He said, it was just absolutely crazy. And I said, well, you had tons and tons of kids and you had to turn them all. He said, no, we, we didn't actually have more kids than we normally do, but we had so many people who had said they were going to show up who were roaded in, and they just didn't show up. No kind of, and it, this isn't good, emails at 11 o'clock the full, previous night. Oh, gosh, Kev, so sorry, you know. Oh, I can't make it tomorrow, I forgot. Oh, I'm sorry. That, that, that's no good to anyone, really, but at least they've said, given a heads up. It, some people on the road just didn't show up. And, you know, that was, I, you know, I, I, you know, I um, obviously showed great concern with Kev, and we all prayed about him, been working on that kind of thing. But it grieved my heart because I was preparing this whole series. And here I am looking at those naughty people out there who break their word. And God said to me, it happens in the church. And folks, you know, as we prepare ourselves for the move of God, as we prepare ourselves for this new season, as we prepare ourselves, and as we cry out to God and ask him to comfort us, and we need his love and all this kind of thing, God, he's saying to us, okay, folks, I love you. You are my heart's desire. I give my life for you. But it's time. It's time. It's time to get our act together. And so we're looking at what means, it means to get our act together. Psalm 15, and I think we can throw this up on the screen, says this. Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart, whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor and casts no slur on others, who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts. Who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind, who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent, whoever does these things will never be shaken. The thing that arrested me, and that's why I read it twice, who keeps their word even when it hurts. There's a story in, in Judges, in the book of Judges, and I'm going to tell the story. There is an, it's a long passage, but let me tell the story. It'll come up on the screen, and you might like to look at it when we get home. It's Judges chapter 9, verses 1 to 21. And uh, it, it's, it's an extraordinary story, really, because what has happened, let me give you the little the background to this. Finally, the children of Israel come into the land that God has promised. And you'll remember the story. 
Uh, I haven't seen the film Exodus yet, but I've, I've been told it's quite good, you know, so go and see that by all means. But the children of Israel leave, leave Egypt where they were sla- slaves, the Hebrew slaves. And then they, they march off into the desert and God is taking them to the promised land, but then they have a bit of a setback because they, they, they don't show faith in God and so they do 40, you know, laps of the desert for 40 years until a, the generation dies and that they were disobedient in the desert. And finally they get to that point where Joshua, who is the successor to Moses, Joshua, the successor to Moses, says to the people, prepare yourself for tomorrow we cross into the promised land. And they cross over and there's stories there. And then they have the encounter with Jericho and finally after some real God intervention, that falls and then they go on to the land of Ai and there's a bit of issues there because the people have got to start stealing. They're doing what God is telling them to do. So there's kind of stuff to be dealt with. But finally they deal with that. And God throughout all of this thing, and this is a pretty offensive thing to many of our ears in, in contemporary culture, God tells them to destroy every nation that they come to, just man, woman, and child. And the reason for that, as they come into the land of Canaan and they have to dispossess these nations, it's kind of, you know, you know it's ethnic cleansing on, on the most extraordinary style, but, scale. But, but what God says in this point, he says, if you do not do this, these nations will be a snare to you because they worship other gods. And curiously enough, as you read on in the scriptures, and many of you know your Bible, but as you read on, as you read through the, the, the history of Israel in the coming books and chapters, time and again, Israel wanders away from following God and starts serving foreign gods. And they are the foreign gods of little pockets of nations that they said, oh, they're a nice little pe- bunch of people in that village. Let's just leave them alone. We won't move that. You know, they, they compromised and as it says in 1 Corinthians 15:33, bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Anyway, this is an interesting passage because what happens here is that uh, as the nations begin to see that God is with Israel and they're taking the land and they're dispossessing these nations, so there's this, this uh, nation, this tribe, I should say, called the Gibeonites. And the Gibeonites know that they're on the hit list. And they're going to be next. And so they come up with a ruse. It actually says that in, in, in Judges chapter 9. You can, as I say, read that this afternoon or this evening. And they come up with a ruse. And they say, look, I tell you what. Let's put our oldest clothes on. Let's put some really old shoes on. Let's get some really old raggedy half-dead donkeys. You know, let's get some really moldy bread. And what we'll do is we'll go to jo- uh, Joshua and the Israelites and say, look, we've come from a very, 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 very far nation You'll never come across us again, but you know, we would like to make a treaty with you. And so that's what they do. And you can just imagine the kind of guards marching around the camp, and suddenly there's a little dust cloud, and sure enough, there's this, this ragtag and bobtail of these Gibeonites dressed as if they come from a very far thing, where in fact they live over the next hill. And in fact, probably nobody wants to go with them because they've been on the road for so long, they're a bit stinky and everything. Oh my giddy heart, when was the last time you had a shower, you know? And so they say, well, pardon us, sorry brothers, sorry brothers, we've just come to honor you, but we want to just say this, you know, we've heard of the great things that God has done for you, and we want to make a treaty with you, you know. Anyway, Joshua hears about this, he's not stupid, and you see, he comes down to the gate, and says, what's all going on here? And they tell him what's going on, and there's these guys, and he looks at them, and they're all dressed in, they're disheveled, and they've obviously been on a long journey, as if. And he says, what do you want? He says, well, we want to make a treaty with you. And Joshua says this, he says, well, how do I know that you 
you're not living over the next hill, you know, and you're next on the hit list. So, oh, no, 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 we've come a long way. I mean, when we set out, this bread, this moldy old bread, which, oh, my gosh, we've been forced to eat. This moldy old bread was fresh, hot from the oven. You know, you make a deal with us, make a deal with us. And it says in the Scriptures, Judges 9, they did not, the Israelites did not inquire of the Lord. Oh, oh, oh. They did not inquire of the Lord. So everybody's kind of weighing them up, thinking, we just don't want to hang out with these guys. They're just far too smelly and dirty. Thank you. Let's, let's get rid of them. So Joshua goes, oh, whatever. Yeah, sign them up. Yep, whatever. What are your names? Fine. Okay, great. We'll have a treaty with you. Good. Ooh, just, just leave. Go. Quick. Quickly. So they leave and go quickly. Come over the hill and there's the Gibeonite village. Oh, my gosh. Now, at that point, it says the people started grumbling against the leadership and with some good reason. Idiot. But Joshua and the elders had made a covenant. They'd made a contract. And so Joshua is pretty ticked off at these people. He's pretty ticked off. And he says to them, he says, you know, why have you deceived me? And they said, well, we're afraid of you, you know. We've seen what you've done to the other nations. Do with us whatever you think. And at that point, you see the measure of the man, the character in Joshua, because he has made a vow. He has made that vow. And he doesn't say, well, the deal's off. You know, you came under false pretenses. That's it. Kill them all. Get on with it. Let me know when you're done. He doesn't do that. Joshua says to the elders, says to the leaders, we, may, we gave our word. Therefore, we will keep our word. And you, Gibeonites, you can be flipping water carriers and woodcutters for the rest of your days. You can serve us, but we, we keep our word. We are promise keepers. Do you know what? In the next chapter, Judges 10, actually the Gibeonites suddenly find that they are under, under threat from other nations. And believe it or not, they go to Joshua and say, protect us. And Joshua, he doesn't, cringe, keeping his word even if it hurts. He doesn't say, oh, that's ridiculous, heavens above. Now I've got to look after you, look and protect you. He actually calls all Israel together and they go and deal with the enemies of the Gibeonites purely and simply because they, are, they, they gave them their word. Now, that's a fun passage and you might, it does raise some questions, but you might like to read that. But my point is this. Throughout the scriptures, we read of the men and women of God going the extra mile. The extra mile. We don't hold to the contemporary interpretation of what keeping your word is. We keep our word according to God's standards. I was watching a film some years ago called Rob Roy with Liam Nielsen. Anybody remember that one? Quite a violent film. No, I mean, definitely not PG. But Liam Nielsen, as Rob Roy, says this. He says, he, he, as, as a character, he's got a big thing going on about his word. And he says this. He says uh, at one point when his, when his um, handshake is challenged, you know, the other character says, how do I know you're going to keep your word? And Neil, Liam Nielsen says this. He says, a man's honor is a gift he gives to himself. He keeps his word for his own sake and not for the sake of others. A man's honor 
is a gift he gives to himself. He keeps his word for his own sake, not for the sake of others. I like that. It's not quite biblical, but it's almost biblical. See, we, are, we keep our word to honor the one who is the word, the way, the truth, and the life. Liam Nielsen says it is, it is ennobling to ourselves when we keep our word. I had a funny little thing happen. Just before Christmas, I was selling a car, and a chap rang me up, and uh, he sounded interested, asked lots of questions, and he said, well, I'd like to come over and see it. And he says, just one thing. He says, when I come over and see this car, I'm going to be bringing cash. And he said, he said, he said this, he said to me, you sound like a straight-up guy. You know, let's not have, go through that embarrassing sort of haggling or anything like that. You know, you sound like a straight-up guy. If I, you know, I, I, I'm not keen on the price you're asking, so what price? What price? Do you want to, we, could we do a deal if I bring cash? Well, I said to him, I said, you know what, I'd rather you come and see the car first before we do that. I don't mind talking about money on the, on the sidewalk, but, you know. Anyway, he was very insistent. He says, no, 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 I'm a straight-up guy, you're a straight-up guy. You know, let's just be straight up, let's talk it out now. You know, da-da-da, da-da, wing, bash, bosh, you know. So I thought, oh, I've got to write one here, you know. I, so I said, okay. I didn't like it, but I, there was a figure in my mind, so I said to him, Okay, if you bring cash to the tune of da-da-da-da and you like the car, we have a deal. He says, right, that's it, I love it, I love it, I love it. That's the, you know, that's the kind of guy I am, that's the kind of your guy, you know, this kind of thing. <laughs> so anyway, he comes over, and I've got a bad feeling about this already, you know. And he comes on, I won't tell you that he elaborate the story too much, but when it came to it, he liked the car, I mean, the car was absolutely lovely. Even though I do say it to myself. Um, <laughs> And he's brought his son, he's probably in his 40s, mid-40s, and he's brought his son, a lovely young man, in his, I say, late teens. And he's looking around, he's been out for a drive and all the rest of it, asked a few questions and kicked a few tires and things like that. And then he comes over to me, and we're in the road, and he says, yeah, like the car, like the car. What will you take for it? I said, what do you mean, what will you take for it? We had a conversation, my friend, on the phone, where we had this conversation. He said, yeah, I know, but you know, what will you take for it? Well, I was offended at that point. I don't mind saying, something rose up within me. His son, his, his son was there, and I didn't want to humiliate the guy in front of his son. But I got between this gentleman and his son, and I said, don't do this to yourself. He, he looked at me, what? I said, don't do this to yourself. And he said, what do you mean? And I said, keep your word. That's what a real man would do, keep your word. He looked totally taken aback. <laughs> he still wanted to do a deal. At that point, I nearly lost my temper. <laughs> well, I did lose my temper, I just didn't express it, all right? I was nice, okay? Give me a break here. We did a deal, he went away. I wasn't impressed. You know, but that's okay. But we don't live okay. That's okay, that seems to be what's okay in the world. Your colleagues, your friends, your family members, your neighbors. That's okay, wheel and deal, da 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 da, you know. Yeah, I didn't really mean it, yeah, I said that, or I said I'd be there, I didn't, you know, we don't do it, you see. I'm praying for every man and indeed every woman here that you you will ennoble yourself, ennoble yourself by keeping your word. 
regardless of what anybody else does. For your own sake, because it will ennoble you whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And if you are a follower of Jesus, it honors the God who created us. It honors the God who created us. Keep your word even if it hurts. Even if subsequently new information arises where you think, if I'd known that, Gibeonites, we would have said no. For your own sake, insofar as you are able, keep your word. Because it honors God. It's an act of worship. So, I need to finish. In one ways, in some ways, I've only just opened up the subject. But let's be different, folks. Let's be different. Let's swim against the flood, shall we? Let's be keepers of our word and indeed God's word. And I began by asking a question, why, how, why, why do great people crash and burn? And this is going to lead into a teaser thing. Our government would say that the church needs to do more about teaching about morals. The government would say to school teachers, you need to teach ethics. People don't know right from wrong anymore. Everybody's pointing fingers and blaming and all this kind of thing and coming up with these kind of be good type scenarios. It's not about being good. Folks, you will never be able to keep your word if you don't allow God to build character in you. Now that's next week's preach. But it's not about being good play nicely, you will never keep your word if God hasn't worked character deep within you. Next week I'm going to give you five things about character. And this is deep stuff. This, is t- this isn't sort of airy-fairy, sugar-coated Christianity. This is going to cost us because we're going to have to sign up to God's program. I hope you're up for it. It's not going to make you miserable. You'll know freedom and joy. But as is often the case with the things of the kingdom, there's no gain without pain. There's no gain without pain. So, as the band comes up, please, let's all stand, shall we? Just as they're coming up, another car story. I bought my present car bought it from a bloke in Suffolk, went to see it, and uh, I'm checking it out, and suddenly I find the rear window doesn't work. And just before the rear window didn't work, he suddenly found himself an opportunity to be busy elsewhere, and I thought, that's a bit odd. He's at my shoulder, and then I start playing with the window switches, and he suddenly goes off and he starts sweeping the yard. And I thought, I know that guy, he just knew that there was something wrong with that. So I said to him, I said to him, I said, did you know that that window didn't work? And he said, I swear on my children's eyes. I, I, I did another of my getting in his face things. You know. I said to him, please don't do that. I just asked you a question. It was children's lives, that's it, not eyes. Said, what difference does it make? I said, 
Do not, make an, do not swear like that, my friend. I don't, it's only a flipping car. I don't need you to... And he kind of looks, looks like me like this, you know. Come on, guys. All around us, people are footloose and fancy free with the word of God. It's not with their word. It's not honoring. Let's be different. Some of you will need to go down there and ask for somebody to just pray with you, pray a little prayer of confession. Some of you may need to go and talk to somebody, not even in this room. Let's draw a line in the stand. The rot, the rot stops now. We will keep our word, even if it hurts. Amen.